Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message is both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. As we all move forward in light of COVID-19, we want to encourage you to make a priority of joining us in person for worship. Because as you know, listening to a podcast can never replace the need we all have for fellowship and corporate worship. So we look forward to seeing you soon. In the meantime, here is this week's message. Well, good morning. Good morning. Sorry, I guess you were trying to figure out if I was talking to you or Scott or whatever else is going on, but I'm glad to be here with you again. I did uh, miss being here. I think Scott did. I'm not too sure, but I know I definitely miss being here. And today we are continuing our sermon series, the new sermon series titled Journey of Faith as we study the book of Hebrews. Anybody ever studied Hebrews before? A couple of us, good. Yeah, Hebrews is one of my favorite books, though I probably say that every time I go through a book, kind of like my kids, the favorite ones, whoever you're currently in front of, right? You don't tell your other kids that you like another kid better, do you? No, you tell each of them they're your favorite, then when the other one goes away, the other one's your favorite. It's kind of like books of the Bible. Every time I get to another one, I start unpacking, I'm like, man, this is one of my favorite books books and it's really it, it really is amazing because it describes our journey of faith it really talks about what we can expect as Christians and kind of he just hits on some really extremely important topics and he answers so many questions questions I hope you're asking or questions maybe you haven't asked that you should be asking he he hits on all of this stuff the most difficult thing about the book of Hebrews is understanding he doesn't hold back he's very direct He's very upfront. In fact, you could categorize this book as there's these five warning passages that in Hebrews that everybody talks about because they're very, very direct and it makes, you know, shakes people quite often. Today, though, we're talking about faithfulness, the journey of faithfulness on our journey of faith. Because all of us are on a journey of faith, whether you believe in Jesus or not, but specifically for Christians, we're going to talk about your journey of faithfulness as you walk through your journey of faith. You see, God isn't looking for perfect people. Aren't we thankful for that? He's not looking for perfect people, but he is looking for faithful people. And faithful speaks to our loyalty. It speaks to our devotion. It speaks to unwavering faith. And the interesting thing about faithfulness is that it's something that you and I, all of us, it's a quality that we seek in other people. Think about it. You want faithful friends, don't you? You want to be able to tell your friends your deep, dark secrets. You want to be able to share your emotions, share your pain, and you want to be confident. You want to be able to trust them. You are giving that to them, hoping they don't just turn around and tell everybody else what's going on in your life. You want a faithful friend. You want a faithful spouse, don't you? I'm just making sure we're on the same page because I didn't get like all head nods. If you didn't know, you probably do want your spouse to be faithful. It's a good thing, right? If you have a boyfriend, girlfriend, you want them to be faithful. In fact, you probably want your employer, how about that, if you work, you want your employer to be faithful to you, don't you? You want to know or believe that your employer has your best interest at heart, that they're looking out for you, that you can trust them, that there's gonna be a job, that they care about you. In every relationship possible, We seek faithfulness from others, which means faithfulness is something that others seek in us. 
And it's in the same way, our journey of faith with God should be characterized by faithfulness. We want God to be faithful, don't we? We want him to come through on his promises. We want him to come through on salvation. When he says we can be saved by faith, we want him to come through on that, don't we? Yeah, we want a faithful God. And luckily the Bible says we have one. But he wants faithful from, uh, faithfulness from us as well. He wants us to have this unwavering faith, to be committed to him. Remember, he's not looking for perfect people to use and to bless. He's looking for faithful people, people who are committed to him, to commit to his ways, to following. He's looking for those type of people to use and to bless. And the great thing about faithfulness and what we're gonna learn today is there are great promises attached to faithfulness. You see, faithfulness, Faithfulness leads to rest. It leads to peace. It leads to a ceasing of all those other negative emotions that come from unfaithfulness. It's true in any relationship, but specifically in our relationship with God. The reason why we wanna be committed to him, the reason why we actually wanna go through and follow what he says, the reason why we wanna take it serious, it's not because, you know, well, you know, I'm just supposed to. Yeah, I mean, you should, he's God. But there's something greater. Faithfulness, no matter what the cost is to get there, faithfulness leads to rest and it leads to peace. Look at what Jesus says. You've probably heard this before. It's Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Jesus says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart. And you will find, what is this? Rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. And when we hear this from Jesus, it speaks to the inner parts of us, doesn't it? Because all of us desire rest. All of us desire peace. We live in a world full of anxiety. We have more pressures than we can possibly bear. There are so many responsibilities, so many expectations, and yet there's only so much we can do. Jesus says, come on. In me, you'll find rest, which is the exact opposite of weariness and burden and stress. He says, I offer you rest for your soul. Nothing else in this world can give you that. You can chase it or you can trust me. Nothing else will give you rest in your soul. And rest comes from a journey of faithfulness. See, that's what we're going to talk about. That's what the writer of Hebrews, I'm telling you up front where we're going so you can track along with us because faithfulness doesn't happen by accident, does it? You have to be intentional about it. Look at what the writer of Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter three, verse one. He says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling. Let's stop right there and understand who's he talking to. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to brothers and sisters in Christ. Those of us who share in this heavenly calling. See, holy means we're set apart. Remember, we've talked about that, the sanctified ones, the ones who've been set apart for his purpose. His purposes are this this heavenly calling. We share in this. And I need you to pay close attention because the writer of Hebrews, he's talking to a group of people. 
We can always individualize the Bible. We can say, how does it speak to me? But understand this author speaking to a church. He's speaking to a community. He's speaking to a corporate gathering. He says, we, us, together, we share in this heavenly calling. We're in this together. He says this. He says, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. We'll talk about high priest next week, so come back for that. But what I want you to see right up front is faithfulness flows from a clear understanding and healthy view of Jesus. If you're taking notes, this is a good one. Faithfulness flows. That means it comes from, it's directed from a clear and healthy view of Jesus. And we can get this distorted and messed up so often. That's why the right Hebrew says, no, 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 fix your thoughts. Rather than fixing your thoughts on all that other stuff, on all that negativity, on all those other things, fix your thoughts on Jesus because of who he is. He's our apostle. Remember, next week, high priest. He's our apostle. And this is the only time in the Bible Jesus is called an apostle. We're used to the, you know, Matthew, Mark. We're used to those people being called apostles, not Mark. But we're used to Matthew and the 12 apostles. We're used to that. But Jesus, never forget, Jesus is the great apostle. He's, apostle means sent one. Jesus was the first one sent to us. He comes from God. Because he is the sent one, he can send others. So saying Jesus is the founder. He's the starter. He is the sent one. Jesus is the one who revealed God's will. Jesus is our representative. He's the one who proclaims God's name and message. Jesus. Our faith journey starts with Jesus. And it starts by acknowledging who he is. The one who's brought us this great message of salvation. The one who shared with us what God is doing and what God is going to do. And then he not only brings us a message like an apostle does, he is the great high priest who goes to the cross and gives his life up for us. There is nothing like Jesus. There is no one ever to claim the things that Jesus claimed. So he says, focus on him. Fix your thoughts on him because he is our great leader. He is the one in charge. He is the one giving orders. He is the one we're to be fully devoted to. You say, well, of course, no, no, no. Throughout your life, you struggle. I struggle with who am I gonna listen to? Am I gonna listen to my spouse or am I gonna listen to Jesus? Am I gonna listen to my boss or am I gonna listen to Jesus? Am I gonna listen to that little negative voice inside my head who's telling me I should do that or am I gonna listen to Jesus? It's usually us that gets us in some more trouble than anything, doesn't it? But Jesus is our great leader. And you see the military, I was in the military for six years. And the military taught me more about leadership. It's where I learned about leadership. I mean, of course, I've worked for companies and I've seen good um, leadership examples, bad leadership examples. But the military has a leadership culture. And what I mean is leadership is valued. Leadership is respected. There is never uncertainty, never, ever. There's never uncertainty about who's in charge. And what this does, this brings ultimate clarity for an organization, which of course you need when people's lives are literally at stake. See, the higher up in ranking you go, you know this, the higher up in rank you go, the more authority one has. When a general gives an order, you don't even question it. Nobody entertains everybody else's opinions about what the general said. Said, you hear what the general said you wanna talk about? Nope. He said to do it, so guess what happens? 
All right, let, let's make sure we're on the same page. A general, the stars, about as high as you can go. Okay, let's, let's take a four-star general. When a four-star general tells everybody else to do something, what happens? They do it. There's no question about can he, should he, let's talk about it. Here's how I feel. None of that matters because of the authority and the leadership. And you say, well, Brian, okay, but that's not, how, that's not how life works. We aren't in the military. What I need you to understand very clearly is that's exactly how life works. And that's what the author of Hebrews is trying to tell you and trying to tell me that Jesus is the greatest leader. Jesus is the one in charge. Jesus has commanded, he has the authority, and he does tell us what to do, which means when Jesus speaks, when he commands, it carries the full authority and weight of God because he is God. And you can't get any higher than that, can you? No, remember one God, you understand how that works. Okay, yeah, he's greater than you. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than the prophets. In fact, in fact, because he's talking to Jewish people, the author goes to say, he's greater than Moses. They're like, I mean, I don't, come on, Moses gave us the law. Moses is a big deal. He can't be greater than Moses. He's like, let me help you out. He is greater than Moses. Look at this. Hebrews 3, 5. Moses was faithful as a what? Servant. He's just a servant. And all God's house. God's house is God's people. Bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over. There's a difference. Moses is a faithful servant in Jesus, as the son, is over God's house. In other words, because he built up this case, we don't have time to look at all of it. Jesus is greater than Moses, the one who gave you the law, the one who gave you the commandments, the one who brought Israel out of Egypt. Moses was a great person they looked up to. He said, no, no, but Jesus is greater. He's greater than any angel, any leader, anybody. Jesus is the one in charge. Now, while Moses had a great example of faithfulness, you know, he's not negative about Moses. He's, well, it was there. But Moses was faithful as a servant. Oh, here we go, we're back. Moses was faithful, and yet Jesus was faithful. They're both faithful, but one is over God's house and one is in God's house. Do you see the difference? Jesus created the whole thing. He is above the whole thing. Jesus is in charge. And I know today, especially in our culture, leadership really isn't valued. We, we don't really respect it. We don't really think it's a big deal. I want you to understand the Bible has a very, very big leadership culture. Pay attention to the people who it talks about. Kings, leaders. I mean, it has a big military, I mean, military leadership culture. And what it tells us is that Jesus is in charge. You say, Brian, what does this matter? I need you to understand. Do you understand the abundant clarity that can bring to your life when you understand he's in charge? The abundant clarity comes to who do I follow? Who do I listen to? You don't have to struggle with should I follow Jesus or should I follow pop culture? You don't have to struggle with who's right. You don't have to struggle with who's looking out for you. You don't have to struggle with if I follow Jesus, will it lead me to a better life? Or if I ignore Jesus and do my own thing, will that lead me to a better life? When you understand that the one who created it all is in charge of it all and he gives us commands, it makes your life so much easier going, well, I should just, I should just follow Jesus. This really isn't an option. I mean, he's the one in charge. He's the one who created it. He's the one who died for me. So let me follow him. I'm not saying that following Jesus is easy. That gets complicated. That gets tough. 
There's gonna be times in your life where following Jesus is gonna cost you something. It may cost you a job, it may cost you a relationship, it may cost you something. But when you settled, he's in charge. When you settled that he's the one you submit to, he is the Lord, the King and Savior, it can bring abundant clarity to your life. You see, faithfulness flows from a healthy understanding, from a clear understanding of who Jesus is. He is the greatest leader, the one in charge, and his word carries his full authority. You see, there's a vast difference to try to figure out how do I apply what Jesus says versus should I even listen to what Jesus says? You don't need to struggle with should I. The answer is yes. Now, trying to figure out how that exactly works in your life, that can be challenging. That take time. That can be the journey that we're on, but you should never question, should I? Or well, faithfulness flows from a clear and healthy view of Jesus. This is why it's important. Number two, I got three points for you today. You should be proud of that, okay? Number two, faithfulness involves choosing to listen and being obedient to God. And you already knew this, but this is what the author is going to show us. Faithfulness involves choosing to listen to and being obedient to God. You see, after the writer of Hebrew gives us an example of faithfulness of Moses and the faithfulness of Jesus, he then warns us with this, verse six. He says, but Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. We're like, that's great. He says, and we are his house. That's us. So that means God's house is his people. We are his house If, there's a condition. This is where Hebrew starts wrecking everybody's theology, starts messing with everybody's faith. He says, you are God's house. If indeed we hold firmly, if we hold firmly to the confession and the hope which we glory. You see, we are his people if. You are his people if. See, if you didn't know this, we aren't the first generation of Christians to have people walk away, slip away, drift away. We aren't the first generation of Christians wondering, are they actually saved? I mean, doesn't look like it. They ain't been to church in 25 years. I mean, they did sing in the choir that once. Do they know Jesus? You see, the writer of Hebrews has no interest. And this is one of the things that draws me to the author. He has no interest in giving you false assurance about your salvation. Nor should we ever give people false assurance. He said, you are the people of God if, if you're holding to the faith. In other words, you wanna know if you're saved? How are you walking right now? He said, well, no, 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 when I was eight, I said this prayer. He said, no, 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 no. How are you walking now? What does your faith look like now? How are you living now? Pay attention to now. You see, your past, your past and what you did in the past, that, that should speak to why you were faithful. But you don't have confidence in what you did in the past. You should have confidence in what you're doing currently. You see, if faithfulness leads to rest, that means unfaithfulness will lead to what? And I rest. If you're uneasy, if you're worried, if you have anxiety, you see, we want to fix those problems without Jesus, but the Bible tells us, well, by faithfulness you have rest, which means unfaithfulness leads to restlessness. If someone's restless in their faith, you need to check the faith aspect. 
And he wants to forcefully point this out and it's you know, kind of challenging, but look what he said. He quotes Psalm 95 here, Hebrews 7, uh, excuse me, 3, 7 through 9. He says, so as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, you gotta listen, hear his voice and do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tired me through, uh, yeah, through 40 years and they saw what I did Next slide. So what I did, he says, that's why I was angry with that generation that said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on an oath to my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Now, what's he doing here? So originally talked about the faithfulness of Moses. He talked about the faithfulness of Jesus. He says, you are in this. You are a part of this if you hold to the faith. We're like, okay. And then he gives us an example of the Israelites who wandered in the desert. He quotes Psalm 95. He was talking about the Exodus story. You remember that group of people? That group of people who Moses went and he went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Is that Charleston Heston? Is that right? Yeah, I haven't even seen that, but why do I know that? I don't know. I just came to me. Thank you, Lord. Okay, yeah, you think of that guy sitting there. Okay, and he says, let, let my people go. And he leads them out of slavery and they do some pretty great things. And then what happens? Yeah, they chose to disobey They chose to ignore. And he says, look, we've seen great examples of faithfulness, but the Bible also has great examples of unfaithfulness. Ignoring God, doing your own thing will not lead to rest. I mean, that entire generation, listen, this is so important. That entire generation, God said, kick dust and die. Well, then I'll do something with your kids. But you... Kick dust and die, not using you. You're faithless, unbelieving. See, there are consequences for being disobedient. They missed out on it. You see, rest and peace isn't guaranteed in the Christian life. It's completely available. It's completely available, but it's not guaranteed. They strayed away from God and ended up democratically voting to ignore him, just Funny thought, you know, democracy never actually works in the Bible. Do a survey of it. Never works well. And their punishment was restlessness. Look at verse 12. He says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, he's speaking about them and saying, hey, make sure this isn't you, that none of you has a sinful and unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. You remember our point was faithfulness involves choosing to listen and choosing to be obedient Sin has consequences. Ignoring God can wreak havoc on your life just like it did for that entire generation. And what was their issue? Well, they harbored sin. Harbored sin is where you dwell on sin, where you leave sin unchecked, where you no longer feel bad about sin. It's one thing to sin. It's another thing to sin and then go, well, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. Just let it go. Or if we harbor sin in a community, that's what they did. When you have a group of people, we're like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. We know what Jesus says, but it'll be fine. Harboring sin, just letting it dwell, letting it fester, saying it's not that big of a deal. And remember, the writer says, no, no, don't harbor sin. Don't dwell on sin. Fix your thoughts on who? Yet Jesus, not, don't fantasize about sin. Don't fantasize about this other stuff. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Because sin will cause us to turn from God. Turning from God is simply disobeying him and ignoring him. And if you're harboring sin, that means you're disobeying and you're ignoring him. 
If you're disobeying, ignoring them, it's gonna cause us to continue to drift, to, to move away. And here's what's so big and what the author wants you and me to see, and it's ridiculously convicting. He said, it doesn't matter what you did in your past. Your current unfaithfulness has nothing to do with your past. Your, your past faithfulness doesn't get you out of what you're doing now. And I can't tell you as a pastor how often I hear, well, they used to be, or they did, or at once. You see, your past confessions should be the basis of your faithfulness, not assurance of your salvation. He says, you wanna be assured? What are you doing now? How are you living now? Because then he brings this up, just in case you want false assurance. He says this, who were they who heard and rebelled? She's like, Brian, that can never happen to me. I grew up in church. This will never. I mean, I've done amazing things. I used to go to Wednesday nights. That's how, that's how serious I was, Brian. I went to Wednesday nights. He said, well, hold on. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? Listen, he says, they started with great faith. They saw the miracles. They slaughtered the lamb and put the, put the blood on the doorpost. Do you remember that? They walked through the Red Sea, even though it looked like it was gonna come caving in. I mean, they started with amazing faith. But on their journey, when God said, take the promised land, what did they say? They said, no. And for that, they missed out on rest. They missed out on the promised land. The journey of faith isn't about just how you start or what you did or what your parents made you do. It's about what you're doing, what you're choosing, what you're living, what you're committed to. He's not done. He makes it very clear. And he says, and whom with was he angry with for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? So who ended up not finding rest? Israelites. Well, what did they do? They ended up perishing in the wilderness. I mean, God really does care. Look at verse 18. He says, and to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest if they, not to those who were disobeyed? His point is, this whole group was faithful. But then they became unfaithful. Because of their unfaithfulness, it led to unrest. It led to restlessness. They didn't have peace. He says, so, see, so we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. He ties not listening to God to unbelief because if you believe that he's in charge, if you believe he's God, you're gonna listen to him. If you understand the authority of Jesus, and again, I know we don't, we don't like talking about authority. We don't like you know, that, that commands and orders. I know that's like, well, we think that's just for the, for the military. No, no, but when you talk about God, you can't outrank him which means what he says carries the full authority and weight of, of everything he is. So we have to pay attention to that. And his point is simple. These people missed out on his rest. And so he tells us to listen to his voice. Remember, they hardened their hearts. Do you believe that God is still speaking? Do you believe that he's still active? Do you believe that his word, the two-edged story that wants to, to penetrate the souls that, that's in Hebrews, we'll see that later. But he still speaks to his word. We don't read it just because we're bored and our, you know, we have nothing better to do. We read it because it's supposed to guide our lives and speak into us and God wants to work through us through his word. And so we listen for his voice and then we're obedient to his word. 
You see, on our faith journey, it will be far easier to be obedient than to ignore. When you trust him, when you're faithful, it'll be far easier. It may cost you something. You may have to make some difficult choices. Everybody who's followed Jesus has to make difficult choices. When you follow Jesus, it'll be difficult up front, but it'll be far easier in the long run than if you choose to ignore him. Choose to do your own thing. So faithfulness, how are we faithful? It flows from understanding who he is. It involves choosing to be obedient. But then faithfulness grows from an encouraging community of faith. How do you grow in faithfulness? It's with community. The other brothers and sisters in Christ, with other people who are on this faith journey together. I mean, it grows from a, this is a big deal. What's that word? We should know that word. Encouraging community of faith. Look what he says, Hebrews 3.13, he says this. He says, but encourage one another daily. Encourage each one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We know that sin deceives us, doesn't it? Doesn't sin say it's not that big of a deal? Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Your parents will never find out. And then they do. Did y'all always get caught? I always got caught. I don't know. I thought I was smart. I wasn't. I got caught all the time. Moving on. But we need community. Our faithfulness grows out of that community. And our community of faith is called the church. Remember the community of God's people. The church, the gathering was his idea. And he tells us to do it. And as a faith community, we must be in Encouraging. This is a big deal. We must be encouraging. We must build each other up. We must lift each other up. Why this is so important is because he talks about being encouraging right after he talked about the people in the wilderness. Do you remember that story, the, the desert, the people in the wilderness? Were they encouraging? No, they were characterized by what? Complaining. They complained about the food. They complained about the water. They said, we want to be slaves again. They complained about their leadership. They said, you know what? We just need to get rid of Moses. I'm not making this up. They said, we need to get rid of Moses. We need to elect us a new leader who will walk us back to slavery. That was their great idea. Their community was characterized by complaining. What did that lead to? Wandering in the desert for 40 years, kicking dust until they died. That's what he's bringing up. We are to be encouraging faith community. I mean, the world has enough problems. We want to be a place that where people come, they don't need to hear complaining. They don't need to hear grumbling. This should be a place that we build each other up, that we lift each other up, that we laugh together and encourage each other on this journey of faith. You say, well, Brian, look, I'd love to do that, but have you met? Listen, the only person we can control is whom? Ourselves. And our spouses control us, husbands usually, yes? The only thing we can do is control us. So it starts with us that we can personally say, I'm going to make a stand and be the most positive, encouraging person. I'm going to lie my way through it. I'm going to be the most positive and encouraging person anybody has ever See, because we are to build people up. Look for ways to bless them. Look for ways to encourage them. Look for ways to speak life into somebody. 
and encourage faithfulness. Or call out sin. Sin's a problem. Sin is a big deal. We don't have to keep wondering if it is. It just absolutely is. We should have a community that'll call us out on and be like, look, what's going on in your life? Why are you, why are you doing those things? If you don't, and you say, well, Brian, I don't really have a friend like that. Tim Williams will be your friend and he'll call out every sin you got. I'm just letting you know, if you need help with that, Tim will absolutely be that person for you. Everybody who knows him said amen, right? Amen, he will. So just, you know, friend him. Look at verse 14. It says, we have come to share in Christ. What's this? Another condition. Boy, doesn't that bother you? If indeed we hold to our original convictions firmly to the end. We share, we have this, this, this connection, this ability to be in Christ together if. What is he talking about? Well, in context, he's talking about the Israelites. Remember, they started the journey. I'm gonna repeat myself. Remember, they started the journey of faith well, but along the way, they wanted to do what? Go back. They were glorifying the past surely slavery wasn't better than being free. But they had on this journey, they got caught up, they got distracted. And what did they want? They wanted to go back and be slaves once again. They would have rather been a slave than enjoy the promised land God had in store for them. Nostalgia can be very deceitful because that's not where God called them. That's not where God had them. That's not the journey God put them on. And he says, we need to hold to those original convictions. Oh, there it is. The original convictions that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is my savior, that I do follow him, I do listen to him, and I do obey him. When we go back to that original confession of faith, that's what will keep us going, understanding who he is, understanding that we're gonna have to choose to be obedient, and then having a community of people that can encourage us and help us grow in our faith. And why does all this matter? Remember, I told you up front because I know this is getting heavy. What does it matter? Why go through this trouble? If I'm saved, does it even matter? I mean, I just want to barely get into heaven. I mean, why do I actually care what Jesus says? Why go through the effort? Because he tells us, Hebrews 4, 11. He says, let us therefore make every effort. Let us make every effort to enter that ah, rest. You don't have to tell me that you're looking for it because every single one of us is looking for rest. All of us want peace. You think it comes from money or you think it comes from a title? You think it comes from relationship? All of us want that rest, that peace. We don't like anxiety. We don't like worry. We don't like stress. None of us. He said, so make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following the example of disobedience. Points back to the Israelites again. He keeps taking stabs at those guys. I don't know. He just does. But he says, make every effort to enter that rest. Now, here's what's important. He cannot be talking about my salvation because my salvation is not based on my works. This is where theology comes into place. My salvation rests on the work and the faith and the grace of Jesus Christ. So he cannot be saying, I need to make every effort to be saved. He can't be saying that. But what he is saying is that I can choose whether I want to enter in his rest, whether I can enter in his peace, whether I can enter a anxiety, worry-free type of life. 
Let me ask you, do you want that? I already know you do. Doctors try to medicate it. It doesn't work. Rest comes from Jesus. Rest comes from faithfulness. So we make every effort that is a life of faithfulness to enter that rest. It's available. It's possible. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Notice he brings up Moses and his faithfulness. Did Moses have it easy? Did you read about the group of people he had to lead? He didn't have it easy at all. It would have been terrible to be Moses. Terrible. He hit a rock twice and got banned from the promised land. What have you done, right? Moses didn't have it easy. Jesus didn't have it easy. He hung on a cross and died for our sins. Faithfulness doesn't mean an easy life. Faithfulness means you can rest and trust that God has it under control. Charles Stanley says it best. He says, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. Do you realize that the, 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 you could just throw off all that control and all that else? We say, hey, I'm following what God says and whatever happens, happens. Whatever happens, happens. Obey God and let him take care of the rest. So let me ask you, where do you need rest? Where do you need rest? You need rest in your finances? It comes by being obedient to your finances. You'll be like, oh, I knew you were gonna say that. I'm just telling you. You have commercials and advertising and everybody in this world tells you how to spend your money. So there's nothing wrong with the church telling you how Jesus tells you to do it. If you want rest in your finances, it comes from giving to him. It does. If you want rest and peace in your marriage, comes by beating to him in your marriage. And if you need any resources for that, or if you know someone who needs resources for that, let me know. I will get you resources free of charge. I won't ask any questions. I'll just assume it's for a friend you know. We want to help you in that. I've got plenty of them. If you want rest and peace in your parenting, it comes by being obedient to Jesus. You're bringing your kids up in the faith, or you're showing them the importance of community and worshiping. Or do you teach them that sports and other activities are their God? You say, well, Brian, I don't listen. I'm just letting you know up front. We can't fix your teenagers later on in life. If you've taught them their whole life that something else is more important than God, I promise you we cannot fix it later. Start now, show them that Jesus really is more important. That he really is something to be worshiped. That sports will come and go College and education will come and go. School will come and go. But Jesus will remain forever. And we want to help you with that. If you're constantly worried, anxious, trying to control, just take rest in Jesus. Understand, he is the greatest leader that ever has and ever will be. Life's not going to be easy. We all have that figured out already but it can be easier by trusting in him, by worshiping him, by following him. See, the great magic trick of our society, the great thing it wants us to believe is that we can actually control things. But control's an illusion. We really don't have it, me or you. So find rest in Jesus. 
See, the reason I, I am adamant about scriptures and the reason why I want you to learn them and trust them and the reason why we have really hard conversations like Hebrews. I mean, this is, he wrote this stuff, not me. We're just reading this book. But the reason why people and him are so forceful like Tim and, and are so want to call you out and help you is because we believe that you will find rest in Jesus, that you will find peace in Jesus. We really believe, and I hope you believe, that your life will be better following Jesus than trying to figure it out on your own. Because faithfulness flows from a clear and healthy view of Jesus. Faithfulness involves choosing to listen and be obedient. And faithfulness grows from an encouraging community of faith. And when you put those together and you live in that faithfulness, you will find rest. Even in the most troubling, difficult circumstances. Because Jesus said, come to me, all you who are burdened and I will give you rest. And he's right 100% of the time. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you so much for faith. Lord, help us all become faithful. Help our lives become, be characterized by faithfulness. Not perfect, Lord. Not perfection, Some of us strive for that, it's unattainable. Other of us, well, we just let that go a long time ago. But Lord, help us not strive for perfection, but help us strive to be faithful. Be characterized by loyal and commitment to you. Not all of us are gonna face difficult choices this week, but are we gonna follow you and your word or are we gonna do our own thing? Father, lead us, help us be faithful. Lord, we open our ears and our hearts to hear from you. We're committed to obeying your voice. And those areas in our life that we need to get out of sin, those areas of our life that we've been harboring sin, Lord, show us that. And help us be bold and help us be confident in that decision to follow you, Lord, because none of us want to waste our lives kicking dust. None of us want to waste this one life we have. So Father, Father, through your spirit, just let us hear you our voice, if we've hardened our hearts, if we've hardened, turned away a bit, Lord, yell at us. Get our attention any way possible so we can serve and follow you. Knowing that you want to lead us to rest. You are our good shepherd. We thank you and we love you. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.